Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of Ladies Who Punt is brought to you by Inglis. Inglis has had over a century of turf champions go through their sales rings. And now with their pink bonus series, there has never been a better time for women to join in on the fun of racehorse ownership. That's right, Grace. With the bonus prize money up for grabs, the Pink Bonus Series is a great initiative to get more women involved in racing, making Inglis a fabulous partner to ladies who punt. We can't thank them enough for supporting our podcast and the representation of women in the racing media. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Hello and welcome back to Ladies Who Punt. We are the podcast that aims to decode the sport of horse racing one topic at a time. My name is Fiona Blair and with me today is Grace Ramage, my co-host. Hi, Grace. Hello, Fee. Hello, everybody listening to another episode of Ladies Who Punt. Yes, we're back for our second episode for this campaign, this spring racing carnival. We officially launched last week with the Group 1 Memsey Stakes. Mm-hmm. What a race day that wow, was. Wow, it was so good. The race itself was amazing. It yeah. was everything that we hoped that it would be and totally lived up to it. But just the whole day, like I think we've seen plenty of nice horses that we're going to follow now to bigger and better things throughout the Spring Carnival. Um, just so much anticipation. I'll tell you what, the crowd at the races as well was huge. Oh, like really? it really felt, considering we're still like, well, footy finals hasn't even started. Like we're still really in the heart of the football season. Mm-hmm. Normally um, the focus, like the general focus on racing doesn't kick in until after footy finals and the grand final is done. Considering all of that, I was, I thought that the crowd at Mimsy Stakes Day was amazing and it just felt like a really good atmosphere. And that's the biggest race day since Caulfield's had a little bit of a renovation, right? Grace, yeah. how, how, was the, how was the race course? Yeah, it was great. Like there's obviously lots of um, construction and there's plenty happening there. They're adding in a whole new grandstand. The mounting yard is changing its location um, and they're building a heap of apartments. So if you've been going to Caulfield for years and years and decades and decades, it's totally different. Um, and it's a little bit sad that some of those historical elements are going. But I think, and it's across all three tracks here, metropolitan tracks in in Melbourne, um, Mooney Valley, Caulfield, and also Flemington, in five to 10 years time, we're going to have state of the art facilities and pretty much like brand new racetracks in terms of what people can enjoy when they go to the races. Yes, some of those traditional elements will be gone, but I think, um, you know, for the decades to come, it's going to be amazing. And I actually can't wait for everything to be finished. So yeah, uh, lots of barriers and places that you can't go at the races this spring carnival and Mooney Valley, especially in the coming years, like they're only going to ramp that up and then all of a sudden it's going to be closed and there'll be no Cox Plate for at least one year. Really? Yeah, because they're totally changing the whole track. Like they're literally ripping it up and the where horses run down the side at the moment into the home bend mm-hmm. is going to be the new straight. Oh so like that's where the that's where the winning post is so going to be. So a whole new shape. Yeah. 
Will they keep it like similar, do you think, in terms of like that's the tightest track in Melbourne? Like will it still be that sort type of track? Yes, definitely. It's still going to be a tight track because they don't have much space um, to work with, Mm -hmm. but they are making it along the straight. Right. So that is going to change the dynamic as well. It's a bit sad because like Winx's Cox Plate track record is going to be gone. Gone. There's just so many historical elements. um, That we've witnessed recently. yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, gone back years and gone back forever basically but I think it's I think it'll be for the best and, and so it, then no cox plate like they wouldn't even just like move oh, it. sorry yes no they're gonna they're going to move. I don't know where it's going yeah, to go. Flemington or Caulfield not sure but uh yeah where would you like to see it run oh that's tricky <laughs> have to be Flemington you reckon? Yeah. Okay. It's Cox Plate Day. It's My, a huge day. Yeah. Like it deserves to be at Flemington. Yeah, like definitely. The premier track. I think so. I yeah. think so. I think Flemington would be the one. But, um, yeah, it'll be sad for it not to, because it is so, I don't know, it's just synonymous with the Valley in the way that it's got that um, amphitheatre mm. style where you can mm. just see everything. And they are planning on um, creating that atmosphere with their new grandstand. Like although it's a whole new track and everything, they're still going to try and, get that feel where it's unique to every other course. So hopefully that all happens. But, yeah, I'm excited for when Caulfield is um, finished. Obviously what they're doing is they're putting in an inner track at Caulfield. So Mm -hmm. you've got um, you can race like on the Caulfield inner track, which is going to be called the Heath, or the Caulfield main track, which will just be Caulfield. So, um, yeah, plenty plenty happening. But, yeah exciting time very exciting times but this week we move on to the valley what we we're just talking about mm-hmm. um for the group two fee and stakes which is a wait for age over the mile and we're also going to take a quick look at the McEwen stakes because we've got a uh, giga kick kicking off there oh, for yeah. his spring preparation which is very exciting um but before we get into our previews we've got to talk about our tipping comp our yes. first ever running of our tipping comp and uh it was so close this week we had 28 ladies play which I think is awesome, such a good bunch, such a good-sized group. And there was one point between first, second, and third. So Edwina O'Brien came out on top uh, with four points and perfect score. That's amazing. Got all of them, the whole quaddy. Yeah. Um, so that was incredible. And then we had two ladies in fifth, uh, two ladies with five points and three ladies with six points. So everyone was pretty spot on. Yep. That is an amazing start. And I suppose it's good because now everybody can believe and see that it is possible yeah. to, to nail it. Nail the perfect score. And it's really interesting, like looking at everyone's picks. I was doing this on like Sunday afternoon. The most popular horse of the day was Mr. Brightside. Mm-hmm. So it's like quite cool to see like where everyone's thoughts are and, and where the support is and things like that. So um, really looking forward to playing again this week. Yeah. Uh, if you missed out last week but want to join in, you just have to sign up to our members and you'll find a link to that in our show notes. So come and join the fun. Yep, it'll be a lot of fun. Excited to see who we go for. Hopefully we're yes. right there again. Um, I think you were. I think I was like well off. Were you? I think so. <laughs> Um, the other thing I have, Grace, is another surprise for you. What do you mean, yep. another surprise? I requested more surprises, so here we go. I do love presents. Oh, out of the purse. How cool is this, everybody? Okay, so it's in this beautiful packaging. Let me, let me, what are those things that, um, like, TikTokers and people do? Unboxings. Can I do an unboxing for you all? <laughs> Mind the real plasticky noise. But here we go, everyone. Here it goes. 
Ta-da! So these are our Race Day scarves. How pretty is that? So you can essentially do whatever you want with it, can't yeah. you? You can wear it around your neck as a scarf or you can put it in your hair as like a, a bow. Yeah, or... like like a, a hair scarf. Yep. Put it around your bag or yeah, something. I Absolutely think the bag's going to be a good one. So pretty. And it's got our little name here. You can see. Ladies who part. So the ladies who signed up for our annual membership will be getting one of these as part of their membership, but they will also become available on our website very soon so for cool. purchase. So a really great way to support the podcast and something that you can wear to the races that's race friendly. So yeah. I love it. I yeah. absolutely love it. Well done, Fee. Thank you. So exciting. <laughs> I mean, we worked a while on the design, didn't we, Grace? We had about 20 options and yeah, so we put a lot of thought and, uh, you know, into this. Oh, good to go. I'm just going to pop that in my hair for now. Oh, beautiful. Just, uh, Color scheme suits you, definitely. So I think we better get on to business. Mm -hmm. Two races we're going to look at today. So which one do you want to start with? I'm not fussed, so you decide. <laughs> I think we start with the feature race, the Fiend State. Okay, so this is the Group 2 1600 meter weight for age race at the Valley. Uh, that's where we are racing this weekend and it's a pretty interesting field grace because we have one real up-and-comer in globe who is our favorite currently three dollars twenty so he is undefeated mm -hmm. um at four starts i think yep. and is really stepping up in grade for this group two i think his last win was in the benchmark 100 and he's coming up against some classy horses including group one winner over a mile the Turek Handicap and Tuvalu. So very interesting that he is favourite, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but who do you want to talk about first? Well, it, let's talk about Globe first okay. because there is, in racing, um, we call them boom horses. Mm -hmm. So it's basically when you've got horses that everyone's just talking about and everyone, you know, there's little whispers that go around and then that builds into, you know, just popular thought or belief um and then all of a sudden everyone's got this horse at this massive level um and then you know sometimes horses live up to the boom sometimes they don't mm -hmm. so he is 100 percent a boom horse because he's only had four starts he's now a five-year-old so he's taking his time to get to the races and all of those four starts were last preparation um in the autumn and so he's only extremely lightly raced and he's gone from a maiden win at Pakenham on March of this year, the 16th of March, to three starts later, winning a benchmark 100 at Sandown uh, in June, on the 6th of June. Mm -hmm. Now he finds himself in a group two, wait for age, first fee in stakes, first up, at a mile. Um, but that, so, and his favourite. Yeah. $2.80 to $3.20 favourite. So there's two sides to this. There is firstly the big boom mm -hmm. that everybody has God of this horse we all know that he's got ability but we're seeing him favorite as a in, in a fee and stakes and potentially going towards a cox plate that's what the connections have come out and said but we also know that he's completely um untapped at this mm -hmm. stage we don't know how good he is because mm -hmm. he's unbeaten every step that he's gone to yeah. he's proven that he's way too good for that class so we don't know he might be way too good for this class as well so i think he definitely is a key chance in the race but you've just got to look at the fact that at $3.20, if he had gone to a, another benchmark 100 or an open handicap where he was up against horses that didn't have the class of the rivals that he faces here, 
then yeah, sure, of course, it's going to be $3.20 and you'll win. Mm -hmm. It's just about coming up against some pretty smart horses in a group two fee and stakes. This fee and stakes race day is the only Saturday of the spring carnival, which started last Saturday, that doesn't have a group one on it. Right. And this is the feature race. This is the group two fee and stakes. It's not a group one, but it is still a really good, strong stepping stone that horses yeah. will use. Like Mr. Brightside won this race last year. Yeah, right. It just happened that he's not going that way anymore. He's following the group one path this time. But, you know, it's a good horse's race. So it's 100% a massive test for Globe. Um, but I'm not saying that he won't come out and win. He's got Jamie Carr on board um, and he is a really big horse, okay. massive horse, like really you'll see him and even look at his races replays. It's very gangly, like he's very big and long and leggy. So I feel like barrier 12 might actually not be the worst thing for him, especially mm -hmm. around the valley because he probably does want lots of space. He wouldn't want to be like buried and cluttered up around the tight turning track. He goes forward, not sure if he'll actually lead or just find a spot somewhere behind the speed because there is some good speed in it. But um, I think that it works out okay for him. If he's fit enough, if he's good enough, he'll be right there. But we're just not sure. Not we sure. just don't know. But I feel like if he wins this or even runs well, we're never going to get him at this price again, this prep. Do you well, think? that's the next thing, though, because if he wins this, I think he's going to the Underwood Stakes next start. Oh. And that's a group one over 1,800 metres. And I'm right. just thinking in my head, like, alligator blood might go that, yeah, way. He might go that way. And if he goes there, then it's a huge another step up again. Yeah, yeah. So they've really thrown him in the deep end here, but that, that says a lot in itself. That does say a lot. So it's a really interesting one. Um, I can't be with Globe, mm -hmm. but I'm also not saying he can't win. Yeah. On the fence, real fence sort of a setup for me with Globe. <laughs> yeah, well, when you consider he's up against Tuvaluka, who, who, you know, is Saddlecloth number one, a group one winner yeah. in the Turak and ran really well in yeah. the PB Lawrence. Um, I think he was fourth behind Mr. Brightside, but it was sort of a bunched finish in the end yeah. with that second wave of horses coming. Um, I think he's, yeah, he's in great form. I think as well, like, I think he's just outside Globe in terms of the barrier. Mm -hmm. So he can sort of just follow him in, yes. which would be really helpful. Because um, I think it was a little bit too far back, maybe, in the PB Lawrence. And and that was all about um, when I do my speed maps, that's obviously the, the place where I start doing my form. Um, when you see Tuvalu first up, go back, that's a clear sign of a, a trainer that just wants to have this horse finishing off strongly. Right. No <clears throat> gut busters first up. Like, mm -hmm. we're not going to put him on speed and, um, you know, get have him tiring to the line. We want him to have a really soft run early and finishing off strongly, Build up. setting up for the rest of the campaign. Right. Um, I think now we'd probably see him around the valley, second up, revert to his usual tactics, which is somewhere near the speed. Mm -hmm. So I think you nailed it there with him being to the outside of Globe, probably just follows Globe, um, you know, maybe settles on speed, maybe in behind it somewhere. Chance they'll be posted three deep, but if he's got cover, it's okay. And, um, yeah, I think he's got a really good chance. He also has, like, a very good second up record, Grace. So I think he said six outings second up and uh, just been out of the placings the once. So it's really his time to strike, I think. Yeah, and, yeah, he's just a good horse. He's a very good horse. Tuvalu is the benchmark, I think, mm -hmm. um, in this race, and that's why he's the one that I want to be with. He, I think they bet $7 early or even a bit more. Um, he's into $5 now. 
and I absolutely no surprise to see him firm the betting because he has to be the benchmark in this race. Massive run first up in the PB Lawrence Stakes, which lots of these horses come out of. Yeah. But he was the best of them in this race, I think. Mm-hmm. We know his quality when he gets fit. Um, and now second up, Blake Shin, if they do go forward, he's going to give himself every chance to win and he doesn't have to improve that much to win. Mm-hmm. Like I think he is clearly the one that they all have to beat. It's just that Globe is the murky, unknown prospect. Yeah, and because it's weight for age, they've all got the same weight. Like Globe is the same, carrying the same as a Group 1 winner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I guess that's like a, a sort of unique situation because Globe is so lightly raced, but he's five. Like he's not like a three-year-old. Yeah going with the big boys like yeah. he is a big boy yeah um so he has to carry the same weight as as Tuvalu as well when there's no that, yeah. which is good for Tuvalu right yeah it's great because when you consider their ratings Tuvalu is a 111 rater and Globe is only a 90 rater wow Globe is the second lowest rated horse in the race you've got Alaskan God um for Daniel Morton from WA who's an 88 rater so um you know it's really bold placement to have them running in a weight for age race um, where they get no weight relief off Group 1 winner Tuvalu and other nice horses and also Server 2XL's Group 1 winner and you've got mm-hmm. Cups horses and El Bodegon and Francesco Gardi who um, can run really well. This is not their grand final, but we saw a horse by the name of Solcombe win devastating style last Saturday in his first up race. He'll probably go on to be extremely hard to beat in the Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup, like class horses just do classy things yeah so um yeah it's bold placement from the globe camp but he might well and truly be up to it yeah his uh jump out was very good he's done the thousand meter to 1200 meter so mm-hmm. they've obviously gone for those longer jump outs for the 1600 meter first up run and he just destroyed them in his 1200 meter one so i mean he, that's you know says he's in in good form so we just have to see if he's good enough on on saturday yeah Another horse I want to talk to you about was number 15, Deny Knowledge Grace, because we saw her run a really good race a few weeks ago um, that rated very well, nine and a half lengths um, above standard time. What do you think about her chances? Well, she's got a chance. There's no doubt about it. What Deny Knowledge likes to do, she's a six-year-old mare um, and we've seen her 22 times for six wins. So she, we sort of know, we know what she's capable of. She keeps improving every time she steps Um, into another preparation but we know her mark we know that she likes to be on speed bowling along making everything else chase her and she just sustains a really strong gallop the whole way to the line that's her asset Um, high cruising speed just likes to keep going at the same speed doesn't really get tired doesn't really allow anything to get into the race behind her so it's a it's a great tactical advantage that she's got often however in this race uh, there's quite a lot of speed horses. Right. So Globe, we know, wants to go forward, mm-hmm. be thereabouts. Tuvalu, probably, I'm assuming, will be going forward. You've got horses like... Savitou XL. Savitou XL. Well, from Barrier 15, you'd think they have to go forward. Yeah, and he's third up, so he's got a bit more fitness. Yeah. So there's some pressure for Deny Knowledge from Barrier 5, and it's whether she wants to take up the lead or whether she's got to fight for it. Look, it doesn't really bother her because she does like to bowl along anyway. So if they do end up in a bit of a speed battle, she's probably going to be going along at that speed anyway. But there just is a little bit more pressure up there for her um, at the moment. I think that she's got a really good winning chance though because coming off her last start win proves that she's back in great order. Um, she was $4.20. She was heavily backed actually last 
start when she was first up. And if she holds that mark, she's got a really good winning chance in this. It is just she's going from an open handicap where she had 52 and a half kilos um, with the claim now to wait for age where she's got Ethan Brown in the saddle carrying 57 kilos. So slightly disadvantaged Mm -hmm. there, but, you know, there's so many in that basket as well. Mm -hmm. Um, There's another couple of horses that are grabbing my attention. One uh, I think we should probably flag as a horse that's just kicking off and who was very impressive in the autumn, Goldman Grace. Let's talk about him. Uh, looks like a very progressive stayer yep. for the Gay Waterhouse Adrian Bott stable. Yep. Uh, he's just going through the motions at the moment, isn't he? Definitely. This is just a kickoff point for Goldman, um, who you would think is on a Cups campaign. Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup. I'm not certain about that, but I would assume he he won the listed Roy Higgins, uh, which is a 2,600-metre race back in March at Flemington. Mm -hmm. So you would think that that's a natural progression for him to sort of follow that Cups campaign out to 2,400 metres, 3,200 metres. So you would think he needs a run here. You would think that he's just going to, while gay waterhouse horses normally go forward, I would be assuming that Goldman might be just looking to blend in somewhere and have his first up run as he continues to build up towards Cups campaign. But he's got plenty of ability. Mm-hmm. You know, he's only he's only had the one Australian preparation and there he only had a handful of starts, three starts, um, Kembla Grange benchmark 64 to a Warwick Farm benchmark 78, both of which he won by five and a bit lengths on both occasions, and then a listed 2,600-metre race. So prior to that, he was running in New Zealand. So he could be sort of like Solcombe mm-hmm. in the sense that we say, oh, you're going to need to run. We'll look for you second up, third up once you get out and trip. But he could be that good mm-hmm. that he just blows them away mm-hmm. so he's a real x-factor horse as well but my my fear would be just to wait and see if he's flashing home then that's a great sign for him um to be in you can like as a contender for cups coming up so the the roy higgins as well grace is a win and you're in race for the melbourne cup so he's already got a spot yep he's ballot exempt which means they don't need to worry about trying to get his rating up enough so to secure his place in the race um he's already in it doesn't matter what weight he carries he's got a spot in the race so tactically would would he be trying to like not win too many going in towards the melbourne cup or well it's an interesting one that you do mention there fee because you would think that that's probably a reasonable suggestion Mm. if he was to win this race a weight for age group two um he's obviously his his rating is going to go I don't know how much, probably pretty significantly um, when you've got a group one winner that's in the race against him as well. So it would probably be to his disadvantage if he was to win this because he's going to then be forced to carry more weight in the Melbourne Cup. Yeah. If he was to not win anything, I don't know what his weight is at the moment because weights haven't been released for the Melbourne Cup yet. But if he was not to win anything this preparation, he could get in this with the minimum in mm-hmm. the Melbourne Cup. Yeah. potentially interesting. Um, so it is interesting it would be interesting to hear, hear the conversations and in, in that trainer's heart between gay and adrian yeah well you've still got to get the horse fit and ready to go yeah but it's also about not Giving having him the best chance to yeah they get there yeah and that's why in the past we've seen a lot of those northern hemisphere three-year-olds come down and everyone's like yeah but this horse is only like run third in this random race in Europe and it was sort of hard to get a gauge, especially early on, how how good they actually were because they were just beating the handicapper as much as they could. They had secured their spot in the race Mm -hmm. and then they just were bowling around, getting him fit and ready to go, but not getting 
any weight penalty. Yeah. Because obviously if you're winning races, then your rating is going up and that means you have to carry more weight under the handicap rating system, which our two feature massive cups are um, based on the, the handicap system. So uh, yeah, interesting with Goldman and gee, it'll be fascinating to see how he goes here and what they do tactically. Yeah, I just saw his name and I was like, oh, it's exciting to see him back. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, and just quickly, Fee, as opposed to Sulcombe, so this is this horse from Chris Waller that won first up last Saturday, which was an enormous win, like one of the most breathtaking wins I've seen in a long time. He had no right to do what he did there first up um, against that field. And the difference is, is that Sulcombe doesn't have his spot in the Melbourne Cup yet. So he needs to win races to get his rating up mm -hmm. to a point where he's secured his spot yeah. in the race. So that's the difference. Solcombe doesn't have a spot yet. So every, every time he's winning races, he's getting his rating up. And then, you know, they'll be in the race and they'll be like, woohoo, we did it. Yeah. Whereas with Goldman, um, he's already in the race. Yeah. So that's the difference. Mm, very interesting. Is there anyone else that you wanted to talk about in the fee and stakes, Grace? A couple of other horses that are coming through the PB Lawrence behind Mr. B, um, being pounding, pinstriped, and also attrition. Uh, of those horses, then the one that I probably want to be with and be excited about seeing him again is pounding mm -hmm. because last preparation, well, he's always been a really good sort of open benchmark 84 open handicap sort of horse like benchmark 100 but then last preparation at the end of what was he'd been up and racing forever like he was hard fit he ran third in an australian cup at weight for age over 2000 meters like he just put in this campaign where every time they raised the bar he just kept on improving so then they've come back at a group two pb lawrence stakes he's run quite well there like i think tuvalu was a better run than him but it was still good now he goes to 1600 meters which suits him and he might be one that's capable of making the the progression to see him actually as a genuine weight for age performer. Like he might go underwood stakes next as well. Right. Um, so he is another one that I'm interested to see. And I think he's actually got a pretty good chance in considering he's eleven dollars. Um, he could actually be a little bit of a value play as well. But um, yeah, for me in this race, the one that I want to be with is definitely Tuvalu. What about you? Agreed. Yeah, we're on the same page here. Yeah. Yep. I just like him as well. Like I just love him to, to have a few wins this prep. Yeah, definitely. And it's really good placement um, to go to this race rather than picking just the group ones yeah. because he's already a group one winner. Yeah. So he would. there's no doubt that he'd be well suited in the Maccabi Diva Stakes next Saturday or would have been good in the Memsey Stakes last Saturday. But they have decided to try and get another win on the board in the group yeah. two. And I think that I think that he'll win. Yeah, and, like, it's different when you've got a gelding on your hands, right? Like, you know, it's of course winning group ones is the dream. Yeah. But if you just want a little boost of prize money yeah. and you can drop down in grade, like, it doesn't affect his value at the end of the day. Like, he's a gelding. He yeah. is what he is. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him and hopefully he can, he can get the job done. Okay, well, let's move on to the McEwen Stakes because you really wanted to chat about – Giga Kick. Yes, I really want to talk about Giga Kick because it's Giga Kick, everybody, and he is back. Now, he is quite a short price favorite, Grace. This is race eight, by the way. The McEwen stakes a thousand meter weight for age. So, Giga Kick is currently paying $1.90. Pretty tight there. Um, but it's a very small field, and like, really. It makes sense that he's a dollar. Well, I think so. <laughs> I think it does make sense. And so this is 
the McEwen Stakes. It's a thousand meter group two weight for age race. It's a good kickoff um, point for horses that we might see go to the Moya Stakes in a couple of weeks' time, which is a thousand meter group one. It's the fir first Friday night meeting at the Valley, so I think it's the end of September. Um, so this is often a first up run for Moya horses who go to the Moya second up and then onto the Manicado at 1200 Valley. But we're probably going to just see Giga Kip go here, then straight up to Sydney. Uh, as his main goal, this preparation is definitely the Everest, which is worth $20 million, wow. just a lazy $20 million, <laughs> and a race that he won last year. So um, that's why we see Giga Kick here just basically blowing out the cobwebs, first run for the preparation, um, and then they'll put him up to Sydney. But the likes of Rothfire, mm. uh, Zoo Style, Acromantula, Acromantula, I think that's how yeah, we're calling the, the spider, uh, and Peritrees, you know, these are all probably horses we're going to see Moya in. So we, they're going to progress onto the Moya Stakes and then the Manicado. So we'll be able to follow them in Melbourne for the rest of the spring campaign as well. And those horses, Rothfire and Imperatrice, um, they're Group 1 winners. They're good horses as well. There's no doubt about it. This is a really classy field for a Group 2 McEwen Stakes. Um, and it's exciting to see how they've all come back. But for me... Giga Kick is borderline the best horse in Australia. Right. Wow. Me. Well, I think that I think that he is. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah. What is it like? Why? How have you formed that opinion? Like, what makes you think that? Well, he was only three last season mm -hmm. when he was doing unbelievable things. So he won the Everest this time, or this last spring. Uh, as a spring three-year-old coming off a Dane Hill stakes win, which was just arrogant in the way that he did it. It was a Dane Hill, though. It's a group two three-year-old contest. So him, for him to do that, then go and springboard into winning an Everest, incredible. Like, mm -hmm. And then he was not maybe not at his best in the Dali Champions sprint. He finished fifth there, but beaten less than a length. And then he's come back as an autumn three-year-old, run a massive first-up race behind passive-aggressive over a 1,000 metres, um, in a group two at Randwick, second in the TJ Smith stakes to I Wish I Win. And then he's come out and won the All Age stakes. And then he's won um, the Doombin 10,000 as well. So he's now, another, he's now four years old. I think he's going to have improved again. Um, he's run behind I Wish I Win in the TJ Smith stakes on a heavy nine, which isn't his forte. Mm -hmm. It was enormous for him yeah. to be able to still do that. Like he's got that versatility and he's got that. Um, X factor, like just the times that he can reel off. He's just nothing seems to phase him as such. And I think that that's all in his three-year-old year. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to see him come back as a four-year-old mm -hmm. and I think he's going to be even better again. Yeah. So that's where I'm forming my basis. I shouldn't say that he's the best horse in Australia right now, but I have a feeling that he will be. He's going to go to new heights this prep. Yeah. Well, I'm just excited that we are going to see the I Wish I Win Giga Kick showdown probably at the Everest, you know, like it's nice to see those horses that are like at the same level race each other time and time again, but yeah. every now and then it's just nice to see it in one shot. I mean, the head to head would have been very good. That's yeah. off the cards. Now we were talking yeah. about that last week. Yeah. Hopefully they can come up with another one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be very exciting to see Giga kick. And yeah, I think uh, the market's pretty bang on with who they think the winner is. Yeah. And I just, I feel like he is going to win this race. I think they'd be disappointed if he didn't win this race. And that's that's 
you know, you can say, oh, yeah, but Rothfire's a thousand meter speedster and he's a group one winner and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like you could make any, you could make a reason why he won't win, mm-hmm. but I think that he'll win. And I yeah, think I think it would be an upset. Like yeah. Rothfire, yeah, he's a group one winner, but I, I don't think he's, you know, there's different classes, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Like even within the group yeah. one ranks. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I'm not convinced he has the class on Giga Kick. Yeah, I might be, I might be booming Giga Kick in my head. Guess we're going to find out. But for me, he is amazing. Now, I know you don't really like backing horses at $1.90. Yeah, but he's definitely one that I would not be surprised to see him firm on the day. Like like he could start much shorter than that. And also you can easily put him in multis and things like that as your anchor. Yeah, like the lock. So you you think he's the winner, so you put him into another horse that you just to get a little bit of a better price. Okay, great. So now we have done our uh, form previews for the fee in, and we took a little peek at the McEwen. Um, let's go into our picks for the tipping comp this week. Let's start with race seven, uh, benchmark one hundred over two thousand and forty meters. A lot of uh, cups horses kicking off here. Who are you with in this one? Well, that's right. There's a lot of horses that are sort of early on in their campaign and they definitely want further again. So I'm going with future history in this one because the horse is a $4.60 second favourite, but I really liked the win last start and I also really liked the first start run. So for Kiramar and David Eustace, this horse um, third up, I think is ready to go to the peak for the preparation. And the last two runs would be good enough to be winning again. Carleen Hevel's claim gets right down in the weights again. Uh, so I think it's really well placed to be going very, very close. And future history is my pick in race seven. Okay. Well, I am going to go with Jimmy the Beer. Jimmy. Yeah. Would love to see him win this one. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about the distance. His best distance for winning is 1,600. But... I'm just going to give him a little bit of my support, yep. put him in as my pick for race seven. He's always thereabouts. <laughs> and then in race eight, I think we both know who we're going for. Yep. Team Giga Kick. Giga Kick. Yep. Uh, that could be the, this could be the race that upsets everyone. You know, if if it doesn't land, this is, Giga Kick's going to be the Mr. Brightside of this week. Yeah. And if it doesn't work out, ooh, someone yep. could sneak in with a win. Yep, definitely. Right. So then we have race eight. Uh, race nine, the fee and stakes that we've already previewed. And I think we we're both with Tuvalu there, weren't we? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so then it comes down to race 10, a benchmark 90 over the mile. Who are you going to go with? Well, this is a an open race, but I sort of have to be with the favourite again, Hennessy Ladd, because he was very good winning last start and he – is dropping in weight. Carleen Heffel could be in for a good day. I've got two of her horses that she's riding in the tipping competition. Um, and I just think that he's going to continue on his winning ways. He's a very, very genuine horse. The wide barrier might not work out as well as the low barrier did last time, but he loves the valley. He's, for, he's in form. He's fit. Um, yeah, he's the favourite. And I'm going with Hennessy Ladd in the last one. Well, I think I might go with him too, Grace. I know we've had very similar picks this week, so it'll be interesting to see what the listeners uh, choose for themselves. But, yeah, I think you're right. All of your sentiments bang on. So I'm with number 10, Hennessy Lad. And if you want to play in our tipping comp, make sure you're signed up to be a member. For those who have signed up, you'll uh, have the link in your member's newsletter that comes out on Friday mornings. Um, and there's also a few other benefits we should talk about from being a member. Obviously, free merch, yep. either a mug or a scarf, depending on what option you choose. 
and extra tips and things like that in our members newsletter so uh plenty to sign up for 15 dollars a month there is still a discount code available on our uh social club page so you can use that to get 50 percent off your first month which is seven dollars fifty for a lot of a lot of value i think yeah definitely um and grace now we are two weeks into the spring where do we go next week so next week goes to flemington for Maccabi diva stakes day and uh it's a it's the feature the Maccabi diva stakes is a group one over 1600 meters where we're going to see mr brightside again probably alligator blood again you know those sort of horses will be lining up in that race princess grace who ran so well so well um she'll probably go there as well so we get to see all those good group one wait for age horses again um but also on the race day we've got the first of the sort of mares the first of the group one mares races sort of kicking off it's not a group one it's the group two let's elope stakes but we get to see amelia's jewel Ooh. who is like the best horse in western australia and she's coming over um to the east to either be on a uh, potential cox plate path or potentially a golden eagle path in sydney so she's going to kick off at flemington next saturday which is super exciting and we've also got some more three-year-olds that are potentially cool more stakes bound the group one down the straight during the carnival on derby day we get to see them down the straight 1100 meters in the poseidon stakes so again lots of like qualifying races lots of um really good indicators for massive races later on in the spring and it's all at flemington mccarby deep stakes day well there's lots to look forward to then next week and uh we hope you've enjoyed this this week's episode of ladies who punt have a lovely weekend of racing enjoy yourselves and uh we'll be back next week